Welcome to the Boost VC podcast, your weekly dose of fun, informative interviews with incredible guests from the Boost VC network. We'll dig into the latest topics around venture capital, startups, and emerging technologies. I'm your host, Adam Draper, founder and managing director of Boost VC and a fourth generation venture capitalist. Are you ready to rock? Today, we are going to be doing a re-release of an episode with Charlie Lee, the creator of Litecoin. Now, we released this episode roughly nine months ago. So it was at the peak. It was in December of 2017. It was at the peak of the ICO bubble or the crypto bubble where everyone was talking about cryptocurrencies. Now, looking at the listening, not looking at because it's in audio format, but listening to this episode, you get to realize how long-term Charlie Lee is thinking about this space. I actually had to do this interview twice. The first time I did it, we lost all the audio because our equipment failed. And fortunately, Charlie Lee gave me another, an additional hour to be able to re-record it about two months later. And between those two months, tons of things happened in the industry in that world. And what I find so fascinating is how much the sentiment has changed from when we were talking about it then to today. And so while listening, you know, listen to the enthusiasm and the sort of uh, thought processes that both I and Charlie Lee are going through thinking about the cryptocurrency space at that time. And also, at that time, Charlie Lee was in the middle of uh, controversy and it was very sort of in the crypto world high profile where he had decided to sell all of his Litecoin, which to in the, the capitalist world, it sounds like he's trying to get out. But what he was really saying was that this is the way in which I can say I don't have any incentive, but I am helping with everything I have to the Litecoin environment to the Litecoin token. And up to, it's still true today, he is still a huge advocate of Litecoin. And I think it's just a really, really interesting conversation. Charlie worked at Google. He launched Litecoin as a side project, worked at Coinbase. He has a fascinating way of looking at this cryptocurrency world. And I think that you will agree if you re-listen to it through the lens of we're nine months from the peak, as well as if you're fresh ears, like, you know, listen to it with fresh ears and let me know what you think. So listen to the Boost VC podcast. All right. Today we're joined by Charlie Lee, founder of Litecoin. This is take two because the last one was uh, recorded over by Static. And so we have backups to the backup now. Okay, so Charlie. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And uh, thanks for doing this again. <laughs> and then what is Litecoin and why did you start it? Litecoin, <laughs> the tagline is it's silver to Bitcoin's gold. I created Litecoin kind of to complement Bitcoin. And this was this was like six years ago when I did this mainly for fun. I wanted to create something that worked in my mind a little bit better than Bitcoin. It's faster transaction times. And at that point when I created it, Bitcoin was being mined on GPUs and I created a coin that is uh, mined on CPU. And nowadays both being mined on ASICs. 
Litecoin as well? As well, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So what was your background and what was your first entrepreneurial activity? How about that? Let's start there. I guess right out of college, I started a, a startup and doing um, encrypted chat. Mm-hmm. And it was early for its for its time and it didn't really go anywhere. But nowadays, you have like... How long ago was that? This was 1999. Yeah, that wow! You were, you were ahead of the times. It was. Um, it's so. It's such a hot it button is these days. Now, yeah, but back then it was no one cared about encryption. <laughs> and uh, so, so then you worked at Coinbase for a little bit. Yeah, when I created Litecoin, I was actually at Google. I worked at Google for four years on YouTube, Chrome OS, Google Play. I knew that. Yeah, about four years ago, I joined Coinbase. The last twelve months have been really been about the rise of the. ICO world or the, there, there are a lot of different words for mm-hmm. the ICO world, but how do you feel about those specific like ERC 20 tokens or, um, just everyone being able, this new way of fundraising? I actually don't like ICOs that much because I feel like the incentives aren't online for ICOs where the developers or a team get a whole bunch of money before the product is even built. And once they have the money, there's very little incentive to actually build a product or build something good. Um, so it's more like Kickstarter. It's it's worse than Kickstarter because <laughs> Kickstarter, you actually have to show uh, a timeline. You have to show a plan of what's going to happen. With ICOs, a lot of these ICOs, they don't even have anything. They have a white paper filled with jargon and people just throw money at it. And it's just, I think it's just bad for, for everyone, for the investors, for for the ecosystem in general. And do you think that's a contrarian uh, view, point of view right now in the market? I think people are just very um, greedy and a lot of it's cash grabs, so they don't really care. I do feel that the crypto-centric world is being driven by greed. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, crypto is all about money and currency, so... Um, there's a lot of bad actors. That's uh, kind of just comes. But I do, I do feel that there's true value in entrepreneurs being able to fund their ideas. Sure, I think it's rare. I yeah, there, okay. there's definitely some teams that are using this and are able to fund their ideas better, more easily than than the traditional um, VC way of doing things. Mm-hmm. But there's just too many bad actors that just want to get rich quick scheme. And I get pitch ICOs. I'm sure you do. We do. On a daily basis. There was was a day a couple months ago where I was walking from here to Chipotle Uh and I got pitched three times (laughs) and it's three blocks. So every block I was pitched an ICO. It was crazy. I was like, we were at peak ICO and then it went higher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and for me, they they all want me to be an advisor, right? Because I have... If I advise a, an ICO, then it gives them more uh, credibility and they can get more. Have stickers. you advised any? I have not advised any ICOs and I don't buy ICOs and I just want to kind That's of That's good away. to know. Well, I think if anyone ever, I'm saying just to, in case anyone is like faking you out there. Yeah. Good to, good to get that out there that yeah. you don't I mean, advise anyone. I advise companies that afterwards decide to do an ICO, but I don't specifically advise their ICO on on anything. We are uh, 80% of the time, 90% of the time, we're advising people not to ICO. And, uh-huh. and uh, Good for you. Yeah. I don't think it's always the right thing. And if you're building a different product and your, pro- and your idea was to solve a different problem, 
Like building a whole new product that's decentralized with a new protocol doesn't, you're not going to do well on either of them. Yeah. And a lot of the ICOs, they just tack on the token functionality just as an afterthought. Right? Mm-hmm. The, I, Th- that's token, my issue. Yeah. yeah. The token is not, is only used for raising money to circumvent the current like VC way of raising money. And then they try to add some utility to it. Yeah. I, I do think there is a spot for it. I think over the next 18 months, 24 months, we're going to really start to understand what where that is, though. Mm-hmm. On that, what do you see for tokens over the next 12 months? And then where's Litecoin going? I want to know all of the above. I do think for like ICOs, I think there's going to be more and more regulation. Um, SECs has already cracked down on some ICOs. They're going to probably release more guidelines on what's legal and what's not legal. And I think that's a good thing. I think there's just too much fraud going on in this space right now. And yeah, and it's just too hard to figure out if an ICO is actually good or bad, right? I get pitched all these ICOs. It's not that I don't, I feel like they're all bad. It's just, I don't have time to read all these white papers to figure out which one's good and which one's bad. When did, when did a white paper become the best way to digest information? Like, I think it's the worst way to digest information. (laughs) Yeah. It's the new pitch deck. There was a good tweet about that from Naval. They use these ICOs tokens to, to bribe advisors, right? To bribe investors. And it's just, it's just bad all around, I think. I agree there. I completely agree. And misaligning the incentives with your... So we're running into this problem where, okay, you're an advisor to some other startups who now might do ICOs. We backed 80, 85 crypto-related startups. And then let's say 15% of them are doing ICOs. You know, Mostly against our saying is... And what we really want to know... like For some of them, it actually makes a lot of sense. But for some of them, it doesn't. And what we're trying to do is figure out the biggest question is what do we own for us? Because like we invested and we own a certain percentage of the company do. And uh, some of the time they're issuing, the founders are issuing themselves more tokens yep. just to be able to take some off the table. And then all of a sudden they might get rich yep. and then their previous investors don't get anything. Yeah. It's and hard so- to make it fair. Right? Yeah. Once you talk about ICO tokens, how do you, what's fair? What's, how much should advisors get? How much should previous investors get? It's all, it's all pretty messy. I will say that the best ICOs have figured out a good incentive structure. What do you think the best ICO is? Well, honestly, we, we have a couple really great companies that I, I would say like Aragon, I actually think did their ICO very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, even they felt a little, he was on my last podcast. So he even felt a little like he didn't want to have a pre-sale. Um, because it wasn't fair to the market, but he had to, to get through the legal part of it. Really? Like he had to pre, he had to actually have the money to get through so that he could okay, do, got it, got it. uh, an ICO, mm-hmm. which I, I felt was reasonable. Like that's a reasonable thing. And then the, uh, Repio, I think has a good shot. I think, uh, there, there are a bunch of really, really interesting, but most of them don't end up issuing themselves more tokens. Mm-hmm. It's like the company holds tokens or yep. the he, they align the interest. That's where I really like it is when they yep. align the interests of everyone involved. I mean, interest being aligned is all about how Bitcoin works. So mm-hmm. it's really important, in my opinion, that interests have to be aligned. I think the funniest thing about crypto Twitter is the uh, you can directly tie people's words to money. <laughs> <laughs> you mean all the, all the pump? Tweets? Yeah, completely. <laughs> and And... 
hey, the you know Bitcoin's going to go up because of this chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You lead in some ways Litecoin, not necessarily lead, but because it's a it's a project. But the yeah. uh, but where are you hoping that Litecoin goes? So for the long term, I see Litecoin as a payment currency. So people should be able to spend Litecoin at uh, stores, uh, physical and uh, online stores. Yeah. So eventually, we want like a lot of merchant adoption. Uh, we're still getting there right now. Today, the most important thing is for people to be easily be able to acquire Litecoin. So I want to make sure all the exchanges support it. So, um, so onboarding, onboarding, and make system. it easy for people to use. So uh, wallets, mobile wallets, and um, even the reference core client. What does that entail? Like, do you have to just go and call up all the like Brian Armstrong at Coinbase or like the equivalents at different exchanges? And yeah, just talk, try to, to get exchanges, listed. Yeah, talk to convince them why listing Litecoin is good for their bottom line and also um, people asking for it. So um, community grassroots effort also help. Yeah. Okay. So your long term play is that it's going to be payment. Okay. Yeah. And so what are there any intermittent steps to get there other than just getting it listed on the exchanges? Um, like I said, exchanges first, easy to use wallets. And then payment processors. What do you think about stable coins? Stable coins, I think there's there's a use case for it. I think that governments will eventually release cryptocurrencies tied to their uh, fiat currency. Yeah. So those will be stable. Yeah. So there's there will be less need for a stable coin once like the U.S. government releases a crypto USD that's backed by. I think it's great. Like stable coin is great. I can't wrap my head around how it's going to work. Like all currencies fluctuate. It's yeah. It just needs uh. It needs to tie back to the real world somehow. Yeah. So it needs some mechanism where um. If it's too expensive, some central party will sell. If it's too, or maybe it's decentralized in some way. If it's too cheap, then it will be bought up by the market. How so, exciting is it that you're talking about like governments adopting a cryptocurrency though? Like a little bit scary, right? <laughs> yeah. But five years ago, like that wouldn't have been been a conversation. Yeah, it, it was like let's hope that someday, you know, my friends might want be interested in purchasing some of this. Yeah, I think it's inevitable now. Some, I mean, some governments are already thinking about it. I've been talking a lot in front of groups of high net worth individuals and people who are sitting on the sidelines getting ready to deploy money into the space, and I realized that that conversation I w- I'm having in front of this room of people which is being really well received now. It, it isn't like three years ago where mm-hmm. it's very skeptical and yeah. like, like they're taking notes, they're trying to figure out how to deploy. I realized that conversation is probably being had by every crypto person and high net worth group all over the world. And then also the fact that presidents and prime ministers are all somewhere having a conversation yeah. about Bitcoin is yeah. fascinating. <laughs> the fact that they're talking about, yeah, they're definitely talking about it. Yeah, it's super yeah. exciting. Uh, there were a couple Twitter questions asked of you, uh, so I'm going to ask those. What do you think about the defensibility when side chains are deployed? Okay, so in terms of like where Litecoin still has value, right? Yes. Yeah. So the th- difference between side chains and like an altcoin and a Litecoin is that there's always a question about how side chains will be secured. So there's no good answer for that. It's either secured with with merge mining, which has its own set of security issues, or it's secured with a federated 
um, coin where uh, a group of a group of parties have control over it that they're securing it. So that's centralized, right? That's centralized. So Litecoin is um, is decentralized. It's secured by miners. So in that sense, it's very close to Bitcoin. So it always there's always value for a decentralized currency that complements Bitcoin. But uh, I do I do think sidechain has a lot of potential where you can. Um, for example, something like Rootstock, where you can run Ethereum contracts on a sidechain to Bitcoin uh, and and to Litecoin, and I think that's something that that has value that you can easily convert Bitcoin or Litecoin to these smart Bitcoin and Litecoins and have contracts run on them. And what's one other altcoin you are excited about? So generally, you're not as excited about the movement, but are there any coins that you're specifically excited about? Um, I'm pretty excited about. Monero. I think fungibility, privacy is is very important for a coin. This is something that I, I want to add to Litecoin uh, next year eventually. Um, but Monero right now is, I think it's a coin that's doing the right thing. It's 100% private. It's every transaction is a confidential transaction where the amounts are hidden and it uses ring signature, which is a proven technology of uh, privacy. I really like Monero and the team behind it really strong team. And what do you think the major debates are that are going on in the ecosystem right now? Because before it was, it was the uh, hard fork that mm-hmm. we, we were actually the talking about. When, and now that hard fork ended up not going through, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, But other hard forks have. What do you think the friction is in the ecosystem right now? Other than just <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the main things is is like Bitcoin Cash and Bcash or Bcash and mm-hmm. like Bitcoin Gold. How many like hard forks are we going to see? Where there's going to is there going to be value for each of these hard forks? Who's going to support the hard fork? The new ICO. Pretty much. I mean, it was all coins initially. Last year, uh, this year was uh, ICOs. Next year will all be about hard forks. I think. I mean, given how much little how little work the Bitcoin Gold team did to create a fork and they even pre-mined like $30 million worth of coins. And it's like a top 10. Now it's, it's fighting with Litecoin for number five or number six, right? It's, it's $5 billion uh, market cap. So will we see a Bitcoin or we're going to see a Bitcoin like platinum or Bitcoin diamond? Are they going to be worth anything? And is Bitcoin cash going to like confuse the market with the naming, right? It's interesting because it's competition, but it's not competition. It's like a weird thing where everyone wants crypto to succeed, but like your philosophy is different or something. Yeah. Right? The market would sort itself out. Similar to how like there's a altcoin explosion in 2013 where, I mean, Litecoin start, kickstarted it. Then there's thousands of coins being created and then they all had. And you're the one. <laughs> One of the few that survived that. The one of the craziness. few. I, I remember that. People were pitching me a lot of altcoins and I wasn't Did buying Did you buy any Dogecoin? No, I didn't at the time. <laughs> uh, although now it still would have been an okay buy, right? It's maybe, still I there. Yeah, I actually still... haven't checked. No, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about this ecosystem? What about the technology Like, has made you sort of dedicate your career to it? Yeah. Um, when I first found out about it, I realized Bitcoin is a better version of gold. It has all the properties of gold, plus it's easy to transfer, it's cheap, and you can like store it for nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's 
it has the rarity of gold and the only difference is it's not shiny it's not physical yeah um other than that it's like perfect but our whole i mean i think of our whole generation i don't know how old you are but my general generation like within plus or minus 10 years of me i don't i would rather own a bitcoin than the equivalent amount of gold like sure. I, i'd rather not have something physical yeah because then you can easily transfer it transfer it yeah but also like i don't know like gold gold's never really appealed and and i think the idea of like frictionlessly transferable money is awesome which the limited supply brings me to the last real question which is what do you think about crypto kitties <laughs> <laughs> um i made a tweet about this just the other day where i think that it's great that something that when there's limited supply digital scarcity is something that was previously not possible and because it's possible now you have digital scarcity plus a demand for it demand for cats on the internet is high always has been um and this creates value and that's that's how value gets created there's scarcity and there's and demand, demand for it and this is cool because this was something that was previously not possible before bitcoin there's no way to have a scarce resource a digital resource that's scarce um so i think that's a very cool phenomenon but scaling is going to be a concern for for ethereum and even for bitcoin uh for cats <laughs> well i mean the network is all clogged up today right because yeah. of people wanting to buy sell i was trying i was trying cats. to buy and i couldn't even buy because like the network's so clogged up yeah that's kind of good so yeah. instead of well, ico scams well suddenly <laughs> suddenly all those people like when I remember, I think it's 2013, all the people who wanted Ethereum to work were complaining about uh, Bitcoin not being able to scale in mm -hmm. transaction size, volume, n numbers, and suddenly cats are the thing that break <laughs> that Ethereum. Breaks Ethereum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to go on the lightning round where I say, lightning round! Bah, 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 and then I ask you questions. Favorite quote? Um... I'm not good at these lightning round questions. Can you can you quote yourself? Do you have a quote? You could quote yourself about kitties. Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> ask not what Litecoin can do for you. Ask what you can do for Litecoin. Awesome. I actually should. Uh, this question should be asking each person a quote that they've said because a fair number of people have quoted themselves, and I've always <laughs> enjoyed them. Um, Deadpool or Van Wilder? Deadpool. If you could have one superpower. What would that superpower be? Just flying. I like flying. I agree. A lot of people have come up with pretty interesting ones. One of the most interesting, I think, personally, was uh, Michael Dunworth from Wire said, um, saying the right thing at the right time, which I thought was oh, an interesting cool. power. It's sort yeah. of like empathy, but it's like being able to actually... I actually thought another superpower, going back in time so I can buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> And partake probably in the like earlier discussions and being like, this is Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no Actually one knows. going back to 2007 and create, create Bitcoin before Satoshi did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and calling it Litecoin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, this is great. Uh, that My next question literally was that, so I'm not going to ask that. It was, if you could go back in time one event in history, what would it be? And I think it would probably be that. Um, why do you think Litecoin will win long run? I think it's because we we stick to what Bitcoin does right and being complementary with Bitcoin. So I'm not trying to compete. 
And by doing that, we actually get all the benefits of all the Bitcoin developers. Mm -hmm. Every single Bitcoin developer works on Litecoin, whether or not they want to or not. <laughs> what they write will actually... Symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So I think uh, that's really important. There's a lot of coins that even like like Bitcoin Cash, right? They're like, they're fighting Bitcoin itself. They don't agree with Segwit. They don't, they have developers doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. I think the Bitcoin developers is one of the strongest. It's the most amazing set of people working on cryptocurrencies today. So being aligned with that, I think, will, is something that really helps Litecoin. And what is your definition of success? Um, in some sense, Litecoin already succeeded, right? I, when I, I created it for fun, I didn't expect it to go anywhere. And now it's like $5 billion currency. I mean, that's not success. What is, right? I agree. Yeah. So I'm not asking too much. <laughs> not asking for too much. Perfect. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Thank you so much for tuning in during your busy day to learn about sci-fi technologies. For more info on what we do, check out our website at www.boost.vc or give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook at BoostVC. A big thank you to Maddie Callender, Koi Lee, and Ben Lavelle for their support in creating and producing this podcast. A musical thank you to Melodrive and their AI composer, for our amazing intro and outro songs. If you need music for your digital content, check them out at mellowdrive.com. Lastly, thanks to Tim Hollowell with the podcast group in Washington, who did an incredible job mixing this audio. Boost VC is all about helping amazing sci-fi tech succeed. If you have an idea you think we should hear, get in touch with us at boost.vc contact. And make sure to sign up to get notified when applications open for the next Accelerator Tribe. Also, we love to hear from our listeners. So rate us and drop us a comment on whatever streaming service you use. We would love to hear feedback. That's it for this week. And unfortunately, we don't have enough time for Mark Zuckerberg. But be sure to tune in next week when he's available. This is Adam Draper signing off. Pew, pew, pew.